And so the decisions that the carriers are making now regarding which aircraft to fly, how many pilots to have on staff, how many pilots to furlough, can have important consequences for training demand later on. Um, and this could cause what we're calling a pilot training bubble. On today's episode of the Velocity Podcast, we are joined by Jeff Murray and Jeff Green as they discuss unexpected obstacles airlines may face getting back into service at the end of the current coronavirus pandemic. For more information on this show, take a look at our show notes. Thank you and enjoy the show. Jeff Murray, partner at Oliver Wyman, joined by Jeff Green, one of our most proficient and widely recognized project managers within the firm. He's actually managing a project that's related to the topic that we'll talk about today, which is the challenges associated with airline relaunch post a contraction like the one that we've seen recently that's associated with COVID-19. And there are several major operational pilot-related issues that come to mind particularly related to training during a contraction and an airline's ultimate expansion. And that's due to the seniority basis that exists for many flight crews, many labor-represented pilot groups, whereby seniority rules the day. And if you're senior enough to be flying a nice wide-body international aircraft during the COVID-related contraction, international flying has been cut back and almost largely eliminated. So a lot of those pilots will be trained on narrow-body aircraft that can consume a lot of time, energy, and money. And then when the airline one day expands again and returns to the operations that it was prior to COVID, those same pilots need to be trained again. Airlines don't design their training departments and capacity and simulators to accommodate that kind of demand. So, Jeff, I'm interested, since you're right in the midst of a project that's looking like this, do you have a sense for what this could do in terms of airline relaunch and potential delays? Sure, Jeff. And first, thank you for that very warm introduction. I'm not sure if I merit all those compliments, but uh, I'll take what I can get. Second, I wish we could do this in the office today, but obviously with the shutdown that we have here in Chicago, not able to do that, but fortunate enough to be healthy and um, good to be talking with you over the phone. And to answer your other question, Jeff, yes, I think that the impact of COVID on airline pilot training is significant, and it could put a a very big stress on the training infrastructure. And so when carriers were thinking through this, this is an unprecedented issue. They haven't dealt with anything like this before. And so carriers are making decisions they haven't made in either a long time, if ever. Changes to their strategies, changes to their networks, to their workforce, number of pilots they want to have on staff, et cetera. And so the decisions that the carriers are making now regarding which aircraft to fly, how many pilots to have on staff, how many pilots to furlough, can have important consequences for training demand later on. Um, And this could cause what we're calling a pilot training bubble. So a couple causes of this pilot training bubble. The first is with what's called pilot currency. And for those listeners who aren't Familiar with the the industry terms, currency is just a way to describe a pilot that's able to legally fly an aircraft. And in many jurisdictions, the governing body, so for example, the Federal Aviation Administration says that pilots must have a certain number of takeoffs and landings in a certain time period, go through a periodic training called recurrent training. However, if pilots are going to be furloughed, they are at risk for losing that currency. And this is important when those pilots eventually get called back to fly on behalf of the airline because they'll have to be requalified. And what that means is they'll have to undergo a training that can last for a few weeks, if not a few months. And that's a training demand that 
airlines are not typically used to dealing with, not able to incorporate that into their typical training plans or training capacity. So that's one major thing that airlines will need to think through. A second consideration, as you alluded to earlier, Jeff, is how airlines are shifting around the types of planes that they're flying and how that's happening in conjunction with any furloughs that they're making. And so, as you said, Jeff, seniority rules the day. And when airlines do furlough pilots, they typically furlough from the bottom of the seniority list. So the pilots that have been most recently hired are the ones that are furloughed first. Now, these aren't necessarily the pilots that are flying the planes that are being parked. And so as airlines deal with smaller list of pilots, they'll have to make sure that those pilots can fly the planes that are still active in the fleet. And so this is going to require things like transition trainings if pilots are transitioning between different types of aircraft. Or another type of training is an upgrade or a downgrade training as pilots shift from the captain role to the first officer role or vice versa. And so all of these different impacts, the currency question, the transitions, the upgrades, the downgrades, this is creating that pilot training bubble. And airlines are starting to think through now how big this bubble will be and how they can deal with it. And so, Jeff, I'd love to get your thoughts about what airlines can be doing now to mitigate this training demand bubble. It's a great question, Jeff, and I think there's a lot that can be done to mitigate the bubble. In the case of the airline that we were, we're working with now, at least in this one case, I mean, that training could be double what typically occurs in a normal operating environment. For example, if we looked at this airline's training department a year ago, we would see, and I'm just going to make up a number, 50 events per day that would be moving through the flight operations training department. But during the period of contraction and ultimate expansion, that training volume, in the case of this one airline, can be as much as double, double the volume. So instead of 50 events, it's now 100 events. And as you've noted, the, the complexion of those events is very different than a year ago. A year ago, if you or I walked into this training department and poked our head into the simulators, we'd see the majority of the training in the simulators associated with what's called recurrent training, which you talked about a few minutes ago, which is a regulated training event that takes place typically every nine months, sometimes every year. And a pilot goes in the simulator, demonstrates that he knows how to handle emergencies and understands all of the proper call-outs and limitations and profiles, as they're called in the flight training world that the airline uses. So that would be the majority of the training. And if we looked a month from now into that same simulator, we may see a former wide body captain who's now being trained on a narrow body. And similarly, his first officer used to fly a wide body, is now flying a narrow body. So that's called transition training. So we see the complexion of that training changing dramatically. And that has as you noted, profound implications on, you know, some of the decisions that airlines make in terms of, you know, frankly, furloughing pilots. So, you know, to what extent can you furlough and not overwhelm the training department? Because frankly, one of the easiest things for an airline to do is not furlough anybody. But then you've got an airline that's staffed for a much bigger operation, much more expensive. Certainly the current environment dictates where we've got traffic that's much as 80 or 90% below uh, levels from a year ago. So as you think, Jeff, as you think through the ultimate expansion, what are some of the major you know, considerations that you think you know, airlines and flight operations leaders in particular should be paying attention to? Well, Jeff, I think you know, sort of the first order question is, as you mentioned, what that training demand looks like. Is it going to be twice as much as, as I was dealing with before as an airline or three times as much? 
Next question is, how do I deal with that training bubble? Because the risk is if I don't deal with it, then we could potentially slow down the airline's relaunch. And especially as, as airlines are struggling right now, Financially, they certainly don't want to handicap themselves in, in being able to relaunch and, and fly the flights that the customers are wanting to pay them for. And so this could mean going to external training providers and securing simulator capacity with them. It could mean buying additional simulators now so that they're ready to be used in the future when the airline is in the process of relaunching. Some other creative solutions that I think airlines are going to need to think through as well potentially collaborating with their pilot unions to make furlough rules more flexible, to be able to change things like minimum pay guarantees or some of the training schedules that they've agreed to previously with their unions. Other types of things that they can be looking through are partnerships with either other airlines or airlines that are part of their the same holding companies. And so if an airline holding company owns multiple carriers in their portfolio, they could consider sharing the training capacity across their different subsidiaries. Those are a few of the different mitigating actions, Jeff, that airlines could be thinking through. Do you think there's any others? I mean, I think those are the biggies. I think at the margin, there's also going to be a lot more attention paid to the length of some of that training. And, you know, historically, some of the transition training, for example, could take six or eight weeks, but you didn't have a lot of it. So now that airlines are dealing with a considerable amount of that training, I think they're going to be looking for ways to very thoughtfully you know, accelerate some of that training. And some of the tools, strategies, and tactics that we're seeing deployed to do that is a greater proportion of distance-based learning. Historically, airline pilots were trained in a classroom, 20 other pilots who sat and listened to an instructor for eight hours a day. And now as the profile of pilot groups change, you know, the majority of pilots that are hired are no longer former military. They're much younger now. They're very used to different learning environments and that kind of thing. And of course, we're in this COVID-19 area becoming very accustomed to joining Zoom and doing a lot of things that we would have done from an office, office environment from home. So we fully expect to see greater proportion of distance-based learning. Pilots, of course, would still get paid for that. They're still going to have to pass the same exams, but that enables the airline to compress that training a bit so you can get more pilots through these different curricula quicker. And I think another major element of this, and, and Jeff, I'm interested to get your perspective on this, is the recovery. And I know we're kind of, you know, we're, we're really guessing here, but there's certain quarters of the airline sector that think the recovery could be really quick. You know, if we get a vaccine, and testing is successful, then, oh my gosh, we may see air travel come back, you know, just as rapidly as it contracted. What are your thoughts on how airlines can position themselves to be ready for a rapid return of travel like that? Well, Jeff, I think in addition to some of the things that you are mentioning before about being able to deal with this training bubble, another thought is to take a look at the number of pilots that airlines are actually going to furlough and give themselves a question of, is that the right number? Airlines could benefit potentially from under furloughing to, to have a few extra pilots on staff now to give them the option to respond faster and build up their networks faster when the demand from passengers come back. As you mentioned, the training that pilots are going to have to go through, the, the transition, the requalification, the upgrades, it's got a longer time frame than the traditional trainings that airlines are used to dealing with. And so by having a few extra pilots on staff that don't have to go through that training, the requalification training, some of the other uh, larger training footprints, as we call them in the industry, it could give them that optionality to expand faster. 
That being said, it is going to cost them a little bit more in the meantime as they pay these pilots to be on staff who aren't as productive as they would be otherwise. That does make a lot of sense because the, you know, the airlines are effectively going to be making a bet. It's like, okay, do I position myself to have a whole bunch of, you know, old complement of pilots ready to go, waiting for this demand? And, ooh, you know, what if the demand doesn't materialize? And as you mentioned before, these are just completely uncharted waters for the airlines. Well, Jeff, there's one thought that, that I was having, and this goes back to some of the conversations that we were having with our clients a year or two ago, which is around the pilot shortage. And so this is what we were seeing in, in the industry where airlines were expanding pretty fast all over the world and there weren't enough pilots to meet that demand. Airlines were setting up new systems and new programs to be able to hire pilots and train them quicker. Obviously, COVID has changed that dynamic quite a bit, but uh, Jeff would love to get your thoughts on how, how that's impacted the overall pilot shortage. I think that's a, that's a great question. And is our listeners, if they didn't find out already, we, uh, Jeff and I and uh, other folks at Oliver Wyman every year publish a flight operations survey that we encourage our listeners to, to take a look at. One of the major themes of the last couple surveys was around the pilot shortage. And frankly, it was only three or four months ago that we were hearing about airlines buying training academies and you know, going out to high schools to find potential pilot candidates that they could sponsor through college or university or military programs. So I'm sure a lot of pilot candidates and families and even, you know, airline pilots are wondering, is this shortage, you know, ever going to be relevant again? And our perspective is absolutely, you know, the industry is going to return. And as you and I know, but our listeners may not know, the profile of the average U.S. airline pilot is somebody who's within five or 10 years of retirement. So a handful of U.S. major airlines within the next 10 years are going to have half of their pilot workforce retire. So our perspective is this is a significant bump in the road, but the folks who complete their training, who position themselves to be airline pilots two or three years from now, it is going to be a tremendous environment. Airlines need to continue their outreach to their pilot candidates, ensure them that, look, you're going to have a job maybe next year or the year after that, but you know, give this two or three years and we'll have a place for you and encourage that level of communication and engagement with pilot candidates. Jeff, what were some of the other major themes that we hit on in this year's survey that are worth highlighting in this discussion? Well, I think engagement, pilot engagement across the board continue to be a major theme. And this is, I think, a, an even more important concept now as, as airlines are going through some of these, these tough decisions and many have already with respect to furloughs and layoffs. And you know, generally, the, the gist that we heard from the folks in the industry that we spoke with is that pilot engagement is really important, and we as an airline industry have not cracked it yet. But as we head into this world of COVID, furloughs, et cetera, um, it's going to be even more important to stay engaged with our pilot workforce, let them know what's happening at the company, help them be a part of the company's mission of helping to solve some of the company's problems that they're facing with the whole crisis, enable the pilots to be a part of that solution. Frankly, probably a great way to summarize the discussion is to maintain that level of engagement and encourage pilots and other elements of the airline workforce to be part of that solution. Because this, you know, as we, as the airline industry, every time there's been a downturn, whether it was the you know, global economic crisis, whether it was 9-11, the industry has come back stronger come back more resilient. We've seen different business models succeed. And I think we're going to see that when the, when the airlines really start reemerging strong in the next few years. 
Thank you so much, Jeff, for that interesting discussion. Um, and as you said, planning ahead is really going to help these airlines, these carriers emerge from the crisis more quickly and stronger. That's all from us today. Thank you all for listening. Please join us next time as we tackle more topics uh, around the industry's challenges and disruptions. The Velocity Podcast is brought to you by management consulting firm Oliver Wyman. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode goes live. For our latest insights and analysis on the coronavirus pandemic, head to the Oliver Wyman COVID-19 Navigator. The link is available in our show notes. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed the show.